pardoning of our sins, you reigned and you made a way of escape so that we may get to know you more personal and intimate. For that, Lord, alone, we say thank you. Thank you then, O oh God, for revealing yourself to us and calling us your children, then making us heirs of the grace of life. For that, we say thank you. We've gathered this morning, God, to worship you, to acknowledge your presence on the throne, and to ask now for you to speak to us. Wash us with your blood. Cleanse our hearts and minds. And then illuminate, Lord Jesus, the text today that we may see it like we've never seen it before. And then, by the way, if you be so kind to give us preaching power and preaching permission, we will be mindful and careful to give you all the honor and all the glory for it belongs to you. We thank you for these who have gathered now, open their eyes and ears that they may see and hear what the Spirit says to the church. And to this end, everybody believed together and said amen and amen. If you can, give the Lord some praise while you're standing. If you will open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, we will be in chapter 10 today. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verses 1 through 26. I want to say grace and joy to you, family. Welcome to another Lord's Day. To our visitors, thank you for coming to the New Beginnings Baptist Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church, and that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time. Family? And so join us on the Bible bus this morning as we begin a new series titled The Chronicles of Saul. You are here today. We're having some technical difficulties, so your notes aren't or won't be on the screen today but we will post them quickly for you to, to look. 1 Samuel chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, there's a lengthy passage of scripture there I want to tackle, so bear with me, then I'll bless you with your seats. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And when you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There three, there three men are going up to God at Bethel, where we'll meet you. One will be carrying three goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread. 
which you shall receive from their hands. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a string instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them. And they will be prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be that when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. And so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the spirit of God came upon him and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the Saul of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? So he said to look for the donkeys. And when we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about that matter of the kingdom... He did not tell him what Samuel had said. And then Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up out of, I brought you up out of I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of the kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, whom himself saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you've said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Maitri was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hiding among the stuff. The old King James says. Verse 23, so they ran and brought him up from there. And when he stood among the people, 
he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people? So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. Then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty, and he wrote it in the book. And he laid it up before the Lord, and Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his own house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and valiant men went with him, whose hearts God had touched. But some rebels said, how can this man save us? So they despised him and brought no presents, but he held his peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The Chronicles of Saul, part one, when Saul was anointed king. Dr. Warren Wisby, reflecting on chapter nine of 1 Samuel, says that Jehovah God, had been the king of Israel since the nation's birth. But now the elders of the nation wanted a new king instead of God. And according to Dr. Wiersbe, he says they wanted a new king for three reasons. Number one, they said, Saul's sons had become wicked. And they were afraid that if Saul, I'm sorry, if Samuel's sons die, or Samuel died, his sons would become the new judges over Israel. And they didn't want that. So they wanted a new king. The second thing, Wiersbe says, is that the nation, Israel, had been having a series of temporary leaders during the periods of the judges. And so they wanted somebody to rule them with more consistency. And this is why they wanted a king instead of a judge. The third reason Wiersbe said they wanted a king is that they wanted to be like all the other nations around them. All the heathen nations had powerful kings that led them into battle. And so Israel wanted what the world had and rejected what God was doing. On last week, we told you that Samuel's reaction to their request was he was hot. And God had to tell him, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And I like that right there because our text opened up last week, revealing to us how Israel wanted what the world had and rejected what God was already doing for them because God fought all their battles. They didn't need to have to depend on a man, but they saw everybody else with a king, and they themselves wanted a king. What a a tragedy. We talked about last week that the Christian can be just like that sometimes. God do everything for you, but you look at the world and think they're coming up and want what they want instead of the God who's been blessing you all this time. Well, chapter 9 closes, but we learn from chapter 9 that at the end of the text, what God does is unique. He tells Samuel to get Saul or he's going to send Saul to him. And when Saul comes, Samuel anoints him in private to become the new king. 
in chapter 9, we, we discovered that this was not God's perfect will, but it was God's permissive will. Remember me talking about that? And we said that the perfect will of God is when God has sovereign rule over every area of your life and you're obedient to everything he wants you to do. But the permissive will is when you reject God, but God lets you reject him to teach you a lesson. And what we see in this text, chapter 9, is the permissive will of God. The perfect will of God would have been for Israel to submit to God as their king. But because they wanted what the world had, God's going to give them what they want. Can I put a little pen and waddle right here for a minute? Sometimes you don't want God to give you what you want. Because there's some lessons that come with that stuff. Ask your neighbor, did you get that? Did you get that? In chapter, in, in chapter 10, we're going to see God give Saul some signs. And Brother Bobby, he's going to confirm with Saul uh, that Saul has been called to be king. But this is a very powerful text because there's some serious application that comes in chapter 10. Can I, can I give you a little of it? Number one, the child of God can learn from this text that it's better to obey God. When he promotes you, than to disobey God. The child of God can learn that all promotion ain't good promotion. When you've got a heart that's bent toward disobedience. In other words, sometimes God will promote you if your heart is hard, just to get you to learn the lesson. The child of God can learn that God knows what's best for you. And desires for you to serve him with your whole heart. And that is always, or rather, it is always better to lean and depend on the Lord for every area of your life. This series that we're getting ready to undertake will be about five, five different weeks. But at the end of it all, I pray that the soul in us will learn how to behave. That's right. That's right. I said the soul in you. And the Saul in me. Because all of us got a little Saul running around in us. So I got four points I'm going to drop on you. Are you ready? Number one, I want to talk about the anointing of Saul. The anointing of Saul. Then number two, I want to talk about the assignment of Saul. The assignment of Saul. And then number three, I want to talk about the assessment of Saul. The assessment of Saul. And then four, I want to land the plane dealing with the announcement of Saul. The announcement of Saul. Are you ready? Keep your Bibles open. We're going to walk through it verse by verse, comma by comma. Verse number one says, Then Samuel, he took a flask of oil and he poured it on Saul's head. And he kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you as a commander over his inheritance. Let me park the car and unpack it for you right here. When we come to this first verse of our lesson, we see what I call several incredible first things. Number one, the Lord has just made Saul the first king of Israel. 
In other words, they had never been a king before Saul. That's never happened before. Number two, the Lord also just made Samuel the first prophet to lay hands on the king. That's never happened before. Are you with me here? Number three, it's the first time ever in scripture where God gives a man the oversight of his nation because the nation thought they needed him. That ain't never happened before. Can I say some more? It's also the first time in God's permissive will that he allows himself to work within Israel's desires to want somebody over them instead of God. Y'all in here? In other words, he's getting ready to give them what they want. How many of you know you don't even know what you want? Everything we ask for is for temporary pleasure. Are you with me here? We have to begin to look at things from the discipline of eternity. Some of you know, some of you know right now, that thing you wanted back then, you take that request back now, won't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. The text says that Samuel, he took a flask of oil and he poured it on the head of Saul. Now here we see that God is establishing, here again another first thing, the manner in which kings are going to be installed into office. Y'all catch that? In other words, Samuel's assignment is given in private, and so the anointing for Saul is given in private. Can I say it again? When God, from this manner on, appoints a king, it's going to be done publicly. But the first one is done in private. Because they've done it with a heart against God. Can I say some more? Not only this, by it being a private affair, what he does is he takes a flask of oil instead of a vase of oil. It's just a little oil. Are you with me here? And when you read the rest of the kings, you see when God anoints them, he put a bunch of oil on but for this first one, because they asked with the wrong ambition. He won't have, yes, the full anointing that God needs him to have. But he's going to have enough so Israel can learn what they need to learn. Can I say some more? The second observation in this text is that Saul kissed him. And he said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you to be a commander over his inheritance? Notice this. This kiss from Samuel is what I call a holy kiss. It's a holy kiss because it reveals even Samuel's homage to Saul. 
it reveals Samuel's loyalty, his submission to him as now his king. See, the judges up to this point in the Old Testament have been everything to the children of Israel. But here you see Samuel now releasing the authority of his office and giving it now unto Saul. Y'all with me here? The kiss is a holy kiss because God has again anointed Sam, uh, uh, Saul as the commander over his people. <clears throat> Let me give you some application for this. God will, in his permissive will, sometimes take, promote people into leadership whom others would never promote. When he promotes them, BJ, they have an authority to serve and to lead, even though they never led before. God will and can use people for great things that they never imagined they would do. Brother Greer, Saul had never been king before. He wasn't even thinking about being a king. He wasn't running for the office. He didn't come from a long line of kings. He didn't practice being king. He wasn't even expecting a promotion. But God was going to use him in the earth in spite of Israel's rebellious request for a king. And perhaps there's a Saul in the house today. That person who God has selected to lead or to leadership, that person that nobody else has ever taken notice of. Perhaps you're Saul today. Perhaps the Saul in the house is that youthful spirit that God can trust, whom nobody else had taken notice of. Saul was a man without experience, but not without favor. I was wrestling with this text this weekend. I, I was perusing with some thoughts in my mind in chapter 9 let me back the car up a little bit in chapter 9 Saul, oh let me set it up Saul daddy has some power his name was Kish and he was pretty wealthy and he lost his donkeys and so he sent Saul and his servant to go find the donkey that got away they went two and a half days looking for these animals and they couldn't find them. And Saul says to the servant, let's go back home now and tell daddy we can't find them. The servant said, no, but there's a man of God in this town. Let's go see Samuel. And he's a seer. He can tell us what happened to daddy's donkeys. Saul says, but we don't have nothing to give the man of God. And I heard you need to bring an offering when you come to the man of God. And the servant said, I've got some shillings in my pocket. Let's give these to Samuel. And I was arrested at the fact of this, that number one, Saul didn't even have biblical sense to know when you lose something, go talk to the preacher. That's number one. That means he wasn't a man following after God's heart. Number two, 
He didn't even know there was a man of God in town. That's how ignorant he was in the spiritual realm. And number three, he didn't have no offering to bring to the man of God. That tells me that God can use an ignorant man who don't have any indication about the things of God. So when you read chapter 8 and 9 and you land in 10, you got a whole new respect for Saul. God's taking him with no biblical education, no biblical experience, and is now getting ready to use him to teach his people a lesson. Y'all going to pray for me? So when we get to chapter, yes, thank you, Elder. When we get to chapter 10 and we see verse 1 and you see Samuel anointing him, he's revealing that Saul was without pedigree, but he wasn't without a divine appointment. In other words, God had a plan for Saul and was going to use him in earth for his honor and his glory. Let me give you point two. The assignment of Saul. Are you ready? Yeah. Keep your Bibles open. Look at verse 2 through 8. Samuel says to him, after he anoints him, Saul, when you depart from me today, you're going to find two men by Rachel's tomb. That's in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they're going to say to you, the donkeys which you were looking for have been found. And your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is now worrying about you. Verse 3. Then after you see that sign, you shall go on forward. And there, go forward from there and come to the tabernacle tree in Tabor. And at that tree, three men are going to be going up to God at Bethel. They're going to meet you. One of them will be carrying three goats, another will be carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they're going to greet you and give you two loaves of bread, and you got to take what they give you. These are signs. Number five, and then you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is, the enemies are. And it's going to happen that when you come there to the city, you're going to meet a group of prophets. That's coming down from the high place. And look what, they're, they're carrying string instruments. They got a good talk. They got a tambourine. They got a flute. And they got a harp before them. They're coming from Bethel worshiping God. And you're going to meet them and they will be prophesying. The word prophesying here is not the, not the, the proclamation of the unseen that's to come, but it's the prophecy of the scripture. They're worshiping. They're singing. That's why they got the instruments. Are you with me here? And as they come down, look at verse 6. The spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, and you will prophesy with them. And watch this now. You'll be turned into another man. Tell somebody, that's why you come to worship. That, that's why you come to worship. Look at verse 7. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands. For God, Saul, is with you. 
Then he says in verse 8, And then you shall go down before me to Gilgal. And surely I'm going to come down, I'm going to meet you there, and I'm going to offer burnt offerings. I'm going to make sacrifices and peace offerings. And seven days I want you to wait till I come. And then I will show you what you ought to do. Can I unpack that right there now? Okay, here we go. When you come to these seven verses, you see Saul's divine assignment. And the assignment, yes, will occur in four different events. Just in case Saul wasn't sure that he was really God's man for this task. God had to give him a sign. Y'all in here now? Y'all know, y'all asked, you've asked God to give you a sign too. Show me something, God. Right? You really want me to do this? Give me a sign. Y'all in here? So, so Samuel gives Saul four signs. Give me the four. Give me the four. Hold your four up. Four signs. All right. All right. The events these themselves are going to be evidence that the Lord is with Saul and that God has ordained him to be the king. Samuel as the seer has already been shown what will occur in the life of Saul. And so he lays out for him his journey in which Saul must obey and submit to the activities and do exactly as the prophet has told him to do. Or he will be disqualified in the assignment. Let me run through them again. The first event. It's going to involve him receiving the news that his daddy's donkeys have been found and that now his daddy is looking for him. That, that, that event was going to be evidence that Saul was loved by family. Number two, the second event would involve him going up to the tabernacle tree at Mount Tabor and meeting through men, three men who wanted the blessing with provisions. For his journey. That was a sign that God would provide all his needs. As the king of Israel. The third event would involve. Him going before the Philistines. Their garrison. Their enemies. And he was going to meet a group of prophets. Worshippers coming down from the high place. Worshipping him. And this encounter was going to. Yes. Bless him that now the spirit of God would jump from them onto him, making him now a worshiper. Because you can't lead a nation without being a worshiper. I thought y'all get excited right there. I like this. And the fourth sign was that he was going to encounter them at this terebinth tree. You heard me talk about last week. Well, actually, that was the men's class I was talking about. The tree is a picture of Calvary in the Old Testament. Look what the verse says in number seven. That he says to Saul, let it be, Saul, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. Can I unpack it now? Here's your application. I know that's heavy. Whenever God promotes you to do great things for him in the earth, there are always signs of confirmation that you are the servant he's ordained for the task. Come on. Come on in closer, y'all. Come on in. 
whenever God's about to use you for something, he'll give you a sign of confirmation that you're doing what he called you to do. Number two, whenever God's hand is on you, Reverend Tong, and, and he has called you forth to serve him in the earth, there will be evidence that you are the one for the task. People will validate your call. Provision will be made that accompanies the call. Ah. And the Spirit of God will confirm the call by empowering you to look different, act different, and serve different. That's why you can't come to Christ and remain the same way. There will be evidence that you've been called by God to live and follow him in an act of obedience. Nobody who's ever came to Jesus remained the same way. Y'all in here? Like this, the text says, after the Spirit of God came upon him, the Lord gave him a new heart. That's loaded right there. He was no, he was no longer the same Saul. You know you can't do the Lord's work without a new heart. I think that's the problem with the church today. Let me step out of my text for a minute. One of the problems is in the church we got people who are not converted trying to lead her. Because you got a degree in economics. You got a degree in math. You got a degree in engineering. You got your PhD in something else. You think that makes you eligible to lead God's people. Let me tell you something. Only way you can lead God's people if God has called you. Because even with your education and without your conversion, you got a degree with a bad heart. You got to have a new to do what God has called you to do. Let me give you my, my, my third point. So we've talked about the anointing of Saul. We've talked about the assignment of Saul. Let's look at the assessment of Saul. If you're in here, say, I got you, Reverend. Verse 11 says, and it happened. When all who knew him, see that there? All of those who knew him, Sister Laura, and formerly Saul, knew him formerly, when they saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, what is this? What has happened to Saul, the son of Kish? They say that about you? They said, is he among the prophets? He running with a new crowd now. Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? We know his daddy. We know where he come from. Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? The world started, the community started talking about the new Saul. Verse 13. And when Saul had finished prophesying, watch this. The Bible says he went to the high place. 
Can I, can I say something right there? I already told you in, in chapter 9, there's no evidence that he even been with God. He didn't even know where the house of God was. But now that he's got a new heart with a new anointing and the spirit of God is on him, he's going up to the high place. See, before you got saved, you didn't like church. But now that you know the Lord, you can't wait to get to the high place. I can tell when people ain't saved, they don't like the high place. They come, they come late after the sermon started and they leave before the invitation. Don't like the high place. Can I say some more? The Bible says that then those who saw him, they had questions, but then family came and saw him. Verse 14, y'all in here? Text says, then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did y'all go? In other words, we've been looking for y'all, Sister Jackson. He said, we went to look for the donkeys. And when we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. And then his uncle said, tell me, what did Samuel say? And so Saul said to his uncle, he just told us plainly that the donkeys had been found. But about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel said. It was a secret what God was getting ready to do. Saul had not been given the okay by Samuel to tell the family I've been promoted by God. Can I say some more? When you come to these next five verses in the story, again, you get to see onlookers assessing what just happened to Saul. And outsiders see him prophesying. But they wonder about the change that's come over him. Family members are questioning where they've been. Everybody's got questions and everybody wants answers. They are now assessing his position, his practice, and his new demeanor and his attitude. But check this out, y'all. Saul is silent. In other words, Saul ain't saying what God has done. Saul, Reverend White, is keeping the encounter to himself. Saul is protecting the proclamation that's upon him. Saul ain't ready for publicity. Saul is still sitting with the enormous announcement that he's about to be king. He's holding back from bragging. We can, we can learn something right there. He's holding back from boasting. Holding back from celebrating. And he is sitting with the proclamation. Waiting on Samuel. Just like he has said. Here's the application and I pray it help you. Some of us could do good right here. To learn from Saul's lesson. We should wait before we brag. About what the Lord has called you to do. We should wait before we celebrate the new assignment we just got from the Lord. We should keep what he's doing in our lives unto ourselves until he gives you the public inauguration. We should keep the promises of the Lord tucked away in our hearts until he makes it clear that we ought to blow the horn of celebration and announce to the world. 
what he's about to do. But we do just the opposite. As soon as you get a little title in church, you go posting it on Facebook. Tweeting about it. Come on, talk to me. You want everybody to know you got yourself a new position. That's how I know it didn't come from God. Saul was not desiring the office. The office came to him. Some of us want the office so bad. We'll cheat. We'll backstab. We'll hurt people. We'll hurt crushed people just to get a title in the church. When I look at this text, Saul got a new heart. And he's doing things differently. I want you to tuck something away. Saul is on point today. But next time we gather, he's going to be a different Saul. Ministry has went to his head. Tuck that away. Can't tell me that fame and promotion won't mess with you. Oh, it'll mess with you. And we're going to see what it does to Saul. Well, I've tried to talk to you today about the anointing of Saul. I've tried to share with you the assignment of Saul. I've tinkered around with the assessment of Saul. Let me land the plane now and talk about the appointment of Saul. In verse 17, the Bible says that then Samuel, when he came to Mizpah, called the people together. And he said, verse 18, to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel. I brought y'all out of Israel. I brought up rather Israel out of Egypt. And I've delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians. And I've delivered you from the hand of all kingdoms and from those who oppressed you. But y'all didn't appreciate me, said the Lord. Y'all rejected me. Who saved you from all your adversities and your tribulations. And you said to me, we don't want you, God. Now set a king over us. Then Samuel said, so now since y'all said this, present yourselves before the Lord. Go get all the tribes and all the clans and come right here before me. In verse 20, the text says, and when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, he chose a tribe out of the 12. Benjamin's tribe was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri that was in the tribe of Benjamin was selected. And from the family of Matri, Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for Saul, he couldn't be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord. Lord, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hiding in the equipment or hiding in the stuff. So they ran and they brought him here. Let me unpack this. When we come to this portion of the text, 
we see that Samuel, yes, has made it to the high place to offer sacrifices for the children of Israel. And in this time of worship, he summons the children in order to give them instruction according to the word of the Lord. Samuel does seven things, several things in this message. Number one, he reminds them of their sin against God. And he reminds them of their willingness to reject God for a new king. Now, tell, tell somebody, that's what preaching ought to do. It ought to remind you of your sin. And then he reminds them of all that God has done for them in the past. And then he rebukes them for their request, but he issues a command for them to assemble together as one tribe, one family. And then when they assemble, y'all know, I just read it to you, he selected the tribe of Benjamin from the family of Mitri, and he calls for Saul. But what happens next in the text is odd. The Bible says that when they call for Saul, the brother wouldn't show up. <laughs> he, he, he was... Hiding. Huh? He knew he was going to be king. He knew what Samuel had just did. He had the false eyes. He knew Samuel was going to meet him to offer the sacrifices and the inauguration was going to happen. But here he is hiding from what God has called him to do. I want to yell in the mic, Saul, where are you? Somebody looking at me this morning, you've been called to do something for God. You've got the signs, but you hiding in your stuff. Your job, your career, your relationships, your toys. God has summoned you to stand up and lead some people, but you hiding. In your stuff. As if God can't see you. Can I tell you what, what was going on? Saul didn't want to come out. He was negligent in his assignment, Carmen, because he didn't want to be king. He didn't want to be over people. He didn't want to be the big dog in Israel. He, wanted, he didn't want to be the leader of a nation. He didn't want to be accountable for the lives of people. He didn't want to be in charge or responsible. So he was hiding. Let me park the car and get out for a minute. Daddy, husband, you've been called to lead the family. But you've abdicated your role to your wife because you don't want to lead. Come from out among the stuff. God has called you to be the father of your family, the leader of your nation, and you can't keep hiding among the stuff. Single lady. God has called you to be a woman of God, not a woman of the world. You got to come out from among the stuff and be who God has ordained you and called you to be a daughter of his. Son, won't leave home, stuck in your mama's house. I almost said something right there. I'm glad I didn't. 
Okay, I know how to say it. I know how to say it. Still nursing off a of mama. Come out from among them. God has called you to be a man of God. You got to come out from among the stuff and quit hiding in your excuses. Some of you so unstable. You've been unstable all your life. And the reason why you're unstable is because you won't stand up and be the God man or woman that God has ordained you to be. You just keep hiding in your excuses. My daddy left me. Boo-hoo. Mama didn't treat me like she treated the rest of the kids. I didn't buy. I was raised on welfare. Boo-hoo. You got more excuses and more drama than the show empire. God has called you to stand up and be the person he wants you to be. Come out from among the stuff. Who you hiding from? God see you hiding in the stuff. No more excuses. You know what I like about the text? The Bible says when God said there he is hiding in the stuff, everybody else went and got him. Consider this your come to Jesus moment. We coming to get you today. Look at your neighbor and ask him, are you saw? Are you saw? Are you saw? He was hiding. Now, if I'm God, I'm like, oh, man. This is your one moment to come out as king. There's our king hiding. Don't this make you wonder what God saw in him? Don't this make you wonder, Brother Dixon? If he could be used by God, I mean, the brother had been anointed. The Holy Spirit was with him. He had four signs, and he hiding. Don't this make you wonder if God got the wrong man? This makes you question what makes him royalty. Saul was announced as king, but as the king, he wasn't acting kingly. I almost said something right there. No, y'all ain't getting me out there. No. no. All right, all right, here I go. God has made you a male, but you acting like a female. Hiding in the stuff. God has made you a female, but you acting like you the man. All right, y'all made it. Y'all started it. Amen. I'm, I'm going to finish it. Amen. <laughs> yeah. He didn't look royal. He didn't seem like a leader. He looked more like a coward instead of a king. And that's just like some of us. 
God has made you kings and queens in the kingdom. Sons and daughters of royalty. But you look more like pagans hiding in the stuff of the world. Instead of stepping forward and being the godly man or woman that God intends you to be. You are not a pagan. You are a child of the living God. So come from among the stuff. The world, the world, if she ever got to see the church come from among the stuff, they'd come running to be followers of Christ. But because we cow down to the world, perhaps Saul was afraid of his own people and didn't want the responsibility of leading God's folks. Well, I'm going to land the plane here. We can learn from this text that everybody that the Lord appoints, they don't always look qualified for the job. We can learn from this text that everybody the Lord appoints doesn't always look the part. We can learn this text that sometimes the Lord appoints strange people for high offices. Sometimes the Lord appoints the unqualified so he can qualify them. God gave them a king that was not prepared to be a ruler. But through the will of God, he would learn how to rule and serve. See, what everybody didn't know was that Saul had some stuff going on that would be to his favor. Let me give you an example. Number one, as a king, he had a strong body. For the text says in chapter 10, verse 23, that when he came forward, he was taller than everybody else. Some scholars say he was near seven feet tall. And that's why he was hiding, because if he stood up, he would have stood out. <laughs> See why God needs Christians to stand up? You taller than the pagan world. You got to stand up. Quit bowing down to legislation. I don't care what the Supreme Court said. I'm representing a court higher than that court. Y'all not in here. Stand out so you can stand out. Second of all, second of all, as a king, Saul had a humble mind. In chapter 9, verse 21, he asked Samuel a question. Are you sure? Man, I come from the littlest tribe of them all. Tribe of Benjamin. Why would God want me? He had a humble mind about his position. Number three, as a king, he had a new heart. Chapter 10, verse 9. Number four, as a king, he had power. What do you mean? The Holy Spirit had come upon him for the task of ruling the nation. And there is no greater power than that of God. And I like this. As a king, he had friends. In chapter 10, verse 26, I'm getting ready to read it to you. But as soon as he got announced king, the Bible says some valiant men. But he was going to be the king that God would give to Israel. And I think the greatest thing as I leave 
is that he has Samuel, the man who walked with God, to pray with him, to be a counselor for him, to guide him, to instruct him, and to teach him all that God would have for him to do. Well, I got to leave you now. But the text says that Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty in verse 25. And he wrote it down in a book and laid it before the Lord. And Samuel then sent all the people home, every man to his house. And Saul went home too to Gibeah. In verse 26, the Bible says, and those valiant men I just demonstrated for you, they went with him. Not to their homes, but to his home. Why? Because God had touched their hearts. Y'all with me here? But then 27 closes the text in an odd way. It says, but. Y'all know that's a conjunction, right? That means this thought is getting ready to change. But some rebels said. You should circle that right there. That really messed me up. How can this man save us? They despised him. He ain't been king 24 minutes. And the enemy's already got something to say. Ah, I'm going to put my weight on it right here. And they brought him no presents. But, ah, God wouldn't let him get mad at him, see? He held his peace. Well, thank you for your patience. Thank you for walking with me through the Chronicles of Saul, part one. As I close and you strap on your seatbelts, we see that as the first king of Israel, Saul already got enemies who despised what God was doing. Y'all in here? We can learn from this text that there will always be haters in the crowd. Yep. We can learn from the text, sons and daughters, that there will always be people who refuse to rejoice with you when God has promoted you. Call it jealousy, call it envy, whatever you want to call it. We can learn from this text that there will never be a complete consensus concerning the work of the Lord. That's why if God has called you to lead, just lead. The haters are going to do what the haters are going to do. You can't ever try to appease the haters. Can I say some more? Quit wasting your time meeting with knuckleheads who don't love the Lord. Trying to sell and convince them of the vision that God gave you to do. Let them alone. They're going to always be there to have something to say. She could have sang a little lower. Why did he wear the gray robe today? God, he preaching long. We got to move again? Why do his sons get to do everything in the church? How come she been made the church administrator? She's still over the money. Why did she get chosen to be the culinary arts director? 
Who said he could be the administrator over the Haiti Missions Project? They singing that song again. Haters, haters. I'm through. And I'm going to serve the haters notice. Don't you bring that to my office no more. I can learn from this text that even though God gives people what they want, they'll never be satisfied. They were the ones begging for a king. And now he give them a tall, dark, and handsome king, and they got something to say. Here I come. God, I want a husband. And he sent you a saw. And two weeks later, you want to trade that model in. God, I want a wife. He give you one, and then you're going to act in a fool with the thing you've been praying for. Hello, is this thing on? God, I need a man. And all of a sudden, I can't stand him, Pastor. I don't like the way he dressed. I don't like the way he sleeps. He's making me mad. I don't think I love him no more. That's why I say you don't know what you want. They wanted a king. God gave them a king. And now they talking about it. How he going to save us? Hiding in the stuff. Well, I know y'all mad, so I'm going to get you good and mad and get on out of here. We can learn from this text. That people don't know, or rather they'll never be satisfied. Can I call roll right here? Look at Jesus. He gave sight to the blind. And they still yell, crucify him. Look at Jesus. He cured some diseases. And they got cured and still yelled, crucify him. Look at Jesus. He did miracle after miracle. But that still wasn't enough. And the folks he blessed turned around, Bobby, and yelled, crucify him. And then he died on the cross for men's sins. And they still rejected him. He paid the price for you to go into heaven with the Father and you still reject him. Descended into hell. Took your penalty upon himself. And the world still rejects him. Rolls back to life. Conquering death, hell, and the grave. And you still won't worship him. I like the text as it closes. It says, but Paul, or rather Saul, kept his peace. Ah, what a good picture of the king of glory. He's kept his peace. Though you reject him, he keeps his peace. Though you won't obey him, he keeps his peace. Though you refuse to submit to him, he keeps his peace. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for a nation that don't even want him, he keeps his peace. Well, I'm through preaching here, but I have got one bright note in the text. The text says that when Saul went home, those valiant men followed him. 
I like that somebody wasn't a hater. Somebody was happy to see God do something in their neighborhood. So my charge today is, y'all, let's be like Saul's men and follow our king all the way to the house. Let's be like Saul's men and follow our king into eternal life. Let's be like Saul's men and follow our Jesus because he's a mighty good leader. Do you know him as a leader today? Do you know him as a way out of nowhere? Do you know him as the king of glory? The alpha and omega. The beginning and the end. The bright and morning star. Then ain't he all right? I said ain't he all right? Somebody say hallelujah. And somebody say long live the king. Let's give the Lord some praise.